Now I'm found. Stupid joke. Oh my god. Welcome to Bomb Squad Movie Night. Episode 106. I am your host and master of ceremony, Tanner Richard Craft, and with me I have... Hi, I'm the integration support for the Bellington system. I'm Tim M. Soul. I'm Benny Kedge. And we have a, a super special guest today. Nick Johnson. What's up, guys? That's right, Nick Johnson. And uh, we're, we're talking about the movie Missing. Nick, I heard you worked on that one, right? Yeah, I did a couple things. Yeah, just a couple things, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything that made the final product? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like, I, I did some really cool stuff if you look closely. Like, so there's just some stuff in there. <laughs> In all seriousness, Nick is, uh, I believe, the co-director of the movie we're talking about today. It's you and... And Will Merrick. Yeah, my partner, Will Thank Merrick. Thank you. A follow-up to uh, one of my favorite movies of 2018, Searching. You were in her class, though. Did she mention anything unusual going on lately? Was she acting strange? You know, she did go on Tumblr a lot. What? What is a Tumblr? Before we get into actually talking about the movie overall, I'm just kind of curious about everyone's thoughts. Uh, what kind of expectations did they have in, uh, for Missing going in advance? Tim, I want to start with you. So I hadn't actually watched Searching when it came out. I watched it a couple weeks ago for the first time, and I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, it's, it's a really good take on that sort of subgenre uh, going off of like found footage, where it's sort of found footage via screen recording, which like you've kind of see a lot of the other ones like unfriended and host they kind of go more horror angle with it where this was more of a like dramatic thriller with some like really good heartfelt uh, family drama and just some really good emotional beats in there you know going into missing having just freshly seen searching for the very first time I was interested to see kind of how the character dynamics would kind of change with it being from the perspective of a daughter looking for her mother as opposed to a father looking for his daughter Bennett what kind of expectations did you have for Missing? So I've had the uh, the pleasure of working with Nick's cousin for the last three years. And uh, so for the past year, year and a half, I've heard nothing but hype for this movie practically every single day. So very excited for to see it um, when it came out. And I was not let down. This is, this is a very good movie. And I, I saw Searching after I went and saw Missing, but I had never seen this type of genre before where it's like the found footage, but all through like a computer. What is this? What's wrong? What is this? What are you talking about? And I was interested to see like how it would be pulled off. Like how are they gonna tell a story without being able to leave the computer or like the cameras around the house and Surprisingly, it was it was extremely easy to follow. It was just as engaging as like any mystery type of movie would be. But with just that giant twist of you're not following in the typical cinematic format, it's through the found footage setting. So great job, Nick. Thank you. Shout out to Steve Kinison. All right, uh, Austin, what kind of expectations did you have going into Missing? So I also had never seen a Screen Life movie before Missing. Ducked out on Unfriended and Dark Web because I have a phobia of blenders. But uh, Missing's prequel, uh, Searching, it won prizes at Sundance, and on top of that, it was so good that even your movie sucks called it great. So the idea this particular creative team cracked the code of how to do a well-made Screen Life movie was like firmly in my head. Uh, another marketing thing that made me stoked for this was the audience reaction style TV spots released for the movie three days before it dropped in theaters. 
I associate that style of trailer with the first Paranormal Activity movie. Paranormal Activity, another sort of like unusual experiment with the medium of film that made for a solid night at the movies. Uh, the trailer promised me I'm really gonna feel the twists. The prequel was dynamite, so I went in with high expectations for missing. You come in here and accuse me of something unfucking speakable and you're wondering what kind of family I am? Bruh. Uh, thank you very much, Austin. Now, just to get my thoughts out of the way, uh, very quickly, like I said before, huge, gigantic fan of Searching. It was in my top 10 movies of 2018. I don't know exactly where it placed, but it was up there for me. And uh, when I heard that they were making a sequel, I was really excited, thinking, what could this team bring up next? I knew it was going to be a different set of writers and directors from the first movie, but, and this is actually a good way to transition to my questions for you, Nick. I knew that the editors of the first movie were going to be in charge of this one. Is that right, Nick? You and Will were editors of the first movie? Yeah, yeah, we edited Searching, yeah. yeah. This is what David's about to do here. Sorry, Nick, he's about to right-click this and he's gonna go to a thing that says hide from search results. Yes. We made that exist. up. That's not real. Okay, so I knew that it was in good hands considering that Searching is a movie and Missing is too a movie that's so heavily made in post-production, I'm assuming. So, Nick, I guess this kind of goes to my question for you. I believe this is your first big feature film project, so what was it like doing a follow-up for a movie you edited with that probably had a bunch of expectations and pressure since the first one was such a dynamite success? I mean, what was it like going into this one? So, first of all, I just want to say uh, sick shout-out Austin about that Bellington system. That's a deep cut, and I fucking love that. That was amazing. I'm here. Do you have the integration report on the Bellington system? Um, but, uh, yeah, so coming into Missing, first of all, like, when, when Anish approached us about searching, we were very skeptical of, like, how could this work? We, you know, Unfriended had, had been made, but it was all in a wide um, and all kind of in real time. So we were like, how will this work? How will this be cinematic? And at every step of the way, we just kind of kept learning and refining the visual language to the point where we were like, oh, actually, this might work. And it, it just took us so long and, and it was so painful, like, the process that I think None of us wanted to do another one ever again. We were we came out of that saying, you know, like, fuck no, like someone else can go do that. But then when Sony wanted to do it, uh, they, they pitched it to Seven and Niche, who wrote the, the first one. And uh, they were like, well, Will and Nick can, you know, can take over. And we had written something for Paramount at the time. So they knew we could we could write. They knew that we knew the format. So we were lucky enough that they gave us the reins. And uh, yeah, to answer your question, it was kind of scary, you know, like searching blew up at Sundance. And and we knew there were a lot of fans. We knew that like making a sequel is tough, right? You don't want to just remake the same thing, but you also don't want to stray too far from the tone and from what made the first one good. It was all about just trying to capture that tone while also bringing something fresh. And I think a lot of that came naturally with a young protagonist. As Tim pointed out, by having a kid be the protagonist, we were able to bring that like Edgar Wright style pacing to it and, and bring something that, that felt both tonally of a piece with the first movie but also like its own thing i think yeah no yeah i can i can only imagine as um directing a short film is so much fucking pressure i can't imagine what it's like directing a feature of a well-loved movie for a studio like one of the big studios like sony i can't my heart's beating fast just thinking about it, so... <laughs> you know, the good thing was that it started literally three years ago. Three years ago on Tuesday is when we first got the treatment, and because the pandemic happened, it was prolonged, so we had been working on the script for over a year before we actually started shooting. So the good news was that 
we knew the material so well and we had been directing, you know, our editors because we, we edited the movie before we shot it, which is a whole other kind of story. But basically we previs the whole movie oh. and then went and shot it. So we had been operating as directors for, for long enough that we had the confidence, I think, walking on set that like we knew exactly what we needed. But um, definitely that moment when I stepped on set the first day and I saw like 40 trailers and there's like this just massive operation. I was like, oh shit, man, like <laughs> what did I get myself into? I can only imagine. All right. Well, so now I guess let's just transition to what we thought about the damn movie. Bennett, as the one who's been aware of it the longest, I mean, what did you think of it, man? I have some questions regarding something we're looking into. Has your mom ever gone by any other names? What? I heard about it, I think, for the first time back in beginning of 2021. And, like, like throughout the process, I would just get, like, Steve would show me, like, photos that Nick would send him of just the process of making the movie. And I was like, this movie looks like it's going to be badass. And it certainly was that. Like, I remember... Um, the, the one scene where it's the, the, the cameras are all spinning around her and it's like changing. That's like one of the coolest shots I've ever seen in a movie, just like in general. And the fact that it was also pulled off is like every angle was like a different cell phone or uh, her laptop or something like that. It's, it's so impressive to see how not only was the story engaging, but you guys thought of how are we going to show this without actually like having your typical camera on sticks set up for each shot? Uh, I remember one angle seeing was like when she was leaving the house and you guys shot through the backup camera of the car, just seeing like how you guys are showing how she's leaving the house just through the car's cameras. I don't know how you guys thought of that, but it was just very, very, very impressive. Tim, I believe you saw this movie second after I did. So what did you, uh, what did you think of it? You're going through Kevin's email? This woman calls him Darren. Checked it out a couple days ago, and uh, I, I dug it. I had a good time with it. Kind of like what I was implying earlier, how um, searching was more of a dramatic thriller. And this was that, too. But I do think it did kind of lean into sort of horror thriller territory in some places, which I thought was like an interesting little spice. Like the whole scene where they're in the office and they're wiping the computer and then you find the lady's dead. That was a really tense scene and uh, like all, all the stuff with like the guys whatever it was called the program for like the private messaging I mean the like creepy music starts playing like I, I thought that was all really great and um, kind of what I think Bennett was alluding to like I, I really liked the scenes where it was like uh, transitioned between like apps and screen recordings and stuff like showing the GPS to show that she's going somewhere like just a bunch of really cool stuff uh, going on with that and the visuals, which I thought was really neat. It felt more montage in some places than searching, which I thought was neat. Um, just some really creative uh, plays with like the editing and the screen capture format. So yeah, just, just, just a good time. Really enjoyed. Back to you, Dave. Absolutely. All right, Austin, as uh, the guy that edits this thing every week, and since this is a movie so heavily made in post, Austin, I'm sure there was a lot for you to sink your teeth into with this one. So what did you think of it? Yeah, I appreciated what they were doing. This was my um, my first Screen Life film, and uh, since then, in prep for this, I've taken the time to watch Searching and Run. Right off the bat, it's pretty amazing that Will, Nick, Sev, Anish, and Natalie were able to pull off an extended universe better than the mighty Universal Pictures tried to back in 2017. <laughs> Major props. 
Uh, this movie made me feel the excitement of being one of those Redditors who was trying to solve the Boston Marathon bombing, except all the pieces fit together perfectly, and it didn't turn into a shit show. All the vicarious sleuthing excitement of the modern internet, now with 50% less horrible outcomes. But one thing I'd like to bring up as sort of a parallel is uh, another pr production from uh, Basilev's, the 2016 film Hardcore Henry. That movie that took the sort of like first-person POV cinematography from like Doom that was kind of clunky back in 2005 and by some evil witchcraft managed to make a whole amazing movie out of what previously appeared to mostly be a gimmick. Like with Hardcore Henry, I had that attitude about this format. Like, I'll believe it when I see it. And I think the way Ilya Nyshuler pulled off Hardcore, Will and Nick pulled off Missing. There's a lot of technical reasons this is incredible, like recreating the user interfaces of apps and software I use every day so it can be blown up in 4K, uh, using stuff like a Sony A7S Mark III to get that webcam deep focus in a way you could actually color grade, filling the background with Easter eggs and making this pause proof has been said in many interviews, and your screenplay by itself is sort of a marvel. Uh, your team figured out the optimal way to like create the most possible tension and intrigue out of this specific sequence of events. That final technical solution that saved the day was absolute genius. Like John Carmack finding the magic number, absolute genius. So I, I think the movie's great. It has a unique set of elements that makes it feel different from searching while maintaining and sort of that refining, that cinematic language of a good screen life film. Uh, it was worth seeing this in a theater. And my only complaint was that there weren't any stock photos of Erica Jenkins in this one. What gives? Thanks for going through the uh, headache of making a movie that's like half animated, half live action in a world where tech companies update their operating systems without any notice, set in two countries filmed during a global pandemic. Uh, the end result made me personally embrace a whole new genre of visual storytelling, and that's pretty grand. Thank you. Uh, if, if I may, Austin, that was fucking awesome, and you've done your research. Are you, I don't know if you're being facetious about the Erica Jenkins, but you know Bennett's, she's in Bennett's uh, profile right now, right? Holy shit! She we got him! We got him! We got him! Oh my god, him. I've been caught! <laughs> Holy Thank shit! You. Bennett, it's awesome that you picked that photo now! I just picked it because yeah. I wanted to be Javier, but... Now I officially have zero complaints. Oh shit! <laughs> that was awesome! <laughs> Um, I'll get right into this. I saw this movie um, opening weekend when it came out, and let me tell you, it was my favorite theater experience of 2023 so far. This is a movie that plays very, very well with crowds, and I understand why. It has a classic type of blockbuster-type screenplay where the stakes keep getting upped and upped and upped in an escalating way until you're basically about to fall out of your seat because you're on the edge of it and you've been sweating so much that somehow the fabric has become slippery. It's impressive. <laughs> this one, I, I really want to praise uh, the screen play because this screenplay I can tell was a lot of effort was put into it because there are a few moments in here that in a lesser movie if it was written slightly differently might not have worked for me the biggest one I want to point to is there's this big third act twist about sort of who the villain has been this whole time and that could have very easily been a big you just jumped the shark moment but it works so well here. Uh, spoiler alert, the reveal that the villain, the sort of church group leader was actually the main character's father the whole time. When that first happened, I went, what the fuck? He went back to life. And then as it's being explained that it was an abusive man and the mother just told her daughter that he was dead because it was easier than ruining all the memories she had of him. And I went, oh, that is so clever and smart mm -hmm. and very real. And the reason why 
why the script works and reason why that moments like that don't jump the shark is that every plot beat, every story beat to me is is, is ultimately in service of the characters and the journeys uh, they're going on. And, you know, that's just good screenwriter. I'm a sucker for character first writing. For me personally, all the characters in there are very lovable. Just like the original Searching, uh, the main character, June here, is such a great protagonist to uh, root for. And, you know, every time there was a little slight reference to St. Louis, I remember jumping out of my seat. There's a moment where uh, the main character is like going through her voicemails near the end of the movie. And one of the vo- missed voicemails says Kirkwood, Missouri. And I was like, hey, hey, that's where I'm from. I'm from there. <laughs> yeah. Tanner just doing the Leo finger. And the other thing that made me almost jump out of my seat, because near the very end of the movie, when everything's being resolved and the main character says, I'll meet you at Union Station, uh, I choose to believe that's talking about St. Louis's Union Station. Nick, if that's not the case, don't ruin it for me. This is what I'm choosing to believe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, choosing to believe. <laughs> I'm sure there are other Union Stations in the world, but that's the one that matters in my heart. But overall, it's an excellently acted, very fun-directed thriller with those sort of horror elements that Tim was talking about earlier that I absolutely adored. It's one of my favorite movies of the year so far. Sequels are hard to do, but this sequel was a great sequel. So uh, uh, just shout out to uh, Nick and your entire team and everyone involved in this one. Y'all knocked it out of the park with this one. Thank you, guys. That's very kind. (laughs) Uh, Now to turn the table towards you, Nick. Um, It's been about a month since the movie came out. What's it been like yeah. seeing the response pour in and the sort of uh, box office numbers, public adoration? I know I saw a lot of the producing team was liking a lot of me and my friends' tweets the weekend it came out when we were all tweeting about it. So really? what's, That's amazing. What's, what's it been like? <laughs> oh, it's been cool. I um, Relief. I am someone who's like a glass half empty sort of guy. Like I fixate on all the problems and I, I'm always fixated on like the worst possible outcomes. So the fact that it like is making money and like people generally like it. It's like relief. The rest of our team like loves to um, pour over comments and and reviews and stuff. I don't I don't read or look at any of that, <laughs> stuff, that stuff just for my own like mental well being. So yeah, the crazy thing was this movie was a lot of work. Uh, obviously, in, in the post end, and we were working on it all the way through the holidays and all the way up to the premiere, which which happened on uh, January 10th, I think. And then we were literally working on it like the day it came out. We were, we were still working on it on the home video release. So we had just been working on it for so long and I had been doing like 24, literally seven days a week, 24 seven. So I think part of it is like, it's really great to see in a crowd with people cheering and gasping and everything, but it's also just like relief to be kind of done and not working on it. <laughs> It's it's cool. It's like it's finally done, you know, because we were we were just obsessing over it for so long. We're going to talk more about Missing. We're going to talk more uh, with Nick about the movie. But before, we're going to take a brief commercial break, audience. So see you in a minute. Hi. Hello? Uh, I, th- I think your sound is off. Hi, and welcome back to Bomb Squad Movie Night, and we hope you like that ad break because I'm about to give you another ad. Do you like movies? Do you like colors? Do you like canvas? Because if you do, I have a deal for you. MoviePalette.com. That's right. You've probably seen stuff like this in your Instagram feed before. And if you want one of your own, you can go to MoviePalette.com and order one now. But wait, before you hit that order button, enter the code SQUAD15 to get 15% off your order. Again, MoviePalette.com and the code is SQUAD15. And now back to the show. Uh, American tourists at the hardware store. What did he buy? 
Just this. All right, general discussion. So uh, there's one burning question I have here. I alluded to earlier how that moment with the reveal with uh, June's father being still alive could have been a big jumping the shark moment in a lesser script. I'm just really curious, Nick, when that plot point came up in the writing process, was there like any debate like maybe we don't do this, maybe this is silly or like I'm, I'm just really curious about like any debate that happened with that plot point of any. Oh, yeah. That was the first thing. So Seven and Niche wrote a, a treatment and gave it to me on Valentine's Day. They, they sent it, emailed it to us. And I was like on my way to like a date with my uh, like with my girlfriend. And I'm like reading this treatment like frantically, like just a sec, just a sec. And then I get to this plot point. I'm like, holy shit. And Will and I both read it and took a lot of notes. And that was the first thing we talked about. We were like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if we can make that work. Like, that's a pretty crazy thing. And, and one thing that Anish pitched searching at just just to give you like a background of, of how we see this story. He pitched Searching as like a kind of a cheap, kind of shitty 90s thriller, but told in, a, in, a, in an interesting way. And by that he means like, there are these movies like like Along Came a Spider, like they're not well reviewed, but they're just like these classic tropey sort of pulpy thriller, detective thrillers, um, crime thrillers. And we're just, we're just kind of taking those, but like reinventing it a little bit. And so I always had this feeling that that dad reveal, while it was, like you said, it, it might have been jumping the shark the idea was to make a movie that was even twistier and even pulpier a little bit and so that if we could pull that off it would be in line with the immensity of the twist of searching you know like it could be really cool it's just that we knew that we had to make it feel earned so the first week i had it i actually went to brazil the first week we were on the clock for the script and i just happened to be going to brazil at the time and for that whole week will and i were just on the phone and we were literally like, okay, let's set aside that dad reveal. Let's think about any other possible <laughs> reveal. Like, what else could we do? Is there any better version of it? And we thought a lot about it, and there was like a Chinatown version of the movie and, and all sorts of stuff. But at the end of the day, we ended up coming back to that because that was the original treatment. And again, it just felt like if we could pull it off, it would be a pretty crazy twist. And I also really liked that it played on, if you've seen Searching, it played on your expectations because at the beginning of Searching, Pam dies. And so it kind of fakes you out in thinking, into thinking that we're kind of just rehashing the same beat, but in doing that, it's kind of manipulating the audience. So ultimately we came back to it, and, and then from then on, once we decided to stick with it, it was all just about, like, how can we make Dad not just set him up plot-wise, like we invented that Jimmy Church guy thing and make him alive in the story, but also make him core to the character. So every discussion, every scene, you know, everything with Javi, it had to be about him, so that by the time he showed up, it didn't feel out of nowhere. It felt, you know, like it had been ingrained in the story. It's really clever, like how you said how the opening uh, makes you think it's just a rehash, because I do remember at the beginning of the movie thinking, oh, this isn't one of those sequels that's just the first movie again, is it? And you totally <laughs> yeah. tried to make me think it was, and then it wasn't, which is part of what made it really enjoyable for me. So It's a huge maze of red herring. Sometimes we describe it as a puzzle or a math problem. Cool, thank you. Yeah, as a tightrope, it, it it's very delicate. And as a team, we um, do a lot of feedback with not just like big NRG. There's like, you know, big official feedback feedback and then there's just watching with your friends mm -hmm. so constantly that was the question right it was like sometimes there were cuts where people thought it felt like way too out of nowhere or really jarring and then we knew okay we got to go back we got to pepper more stuff in there we got to like get more stuff in there um, and that we started that review process from the script stage so we we're constantly just relying on feedback to tell us what was too much or too little right. and again i think that kind of 
plays into what I was talking about is it feeling very montage and you get that sort of montage where you see the explanation for all of that, which I think really helped sell that reveal. I love that um, you described this as really montage because I've always thought of this as almost like one giant montage. I remember when we were cutting, yeah. searching, there's like more music in this than most movies. It's very like, and the pace is really like, we try to keep the pace like constantly going like as much as we can, not dragging. And it, it just felt like we had, you know, four major montages in, in searching. And, and similarly, we have four major montages in this, or actually we have five major montages in this, but they start started to get like so complicated that it started, they started like bleed into each other to the point where it just was like, okay, this is all just a giant montage now. The fucking spirit of Sergei Eisenstein was in the room with you the whole time. Yeah. I, I gotta ask. Absolutely. Yeah, you, know, you co-directed this with Will Merrick. Uh, is that something you want to, like, do going forward? Coen Brothers, Lord and Miller style co-directing excellence? Or was this more of, like, a one-off thing for this particular show? Oh, yeah. No, we definitely want to keep... Like, I, I was talking with them today. We're working on our, our next projects Ooh. right now. So we're definitely, like, a, a duo. We The crazy thing with Will is that um, I, we all went to USC, but uh, I didn't know Will. I never met him there. He was two years younger. And when we set out to edit searching we had never met each other so we actually met like two weeks before we started working on that movie and luckily we like got along and work well together and then literally it's been what like seven or six and a half years since then i've worked i've seen him like every day basically since then so it's pretty wild but yeah we we work well together and and we definitely keep working together you mentioned um how uh, you basically edited this movie in advance with the pre-visualization process which is uh, oddly very similar to a lot of marvel movies and other blockbusters nowadays and where they basically make the whole movie before they make the movie and i'm wondering like so when you say pre-visiting, because I know the um, actual screen UI is actually almost entirely just animated, unlike a lot of other screen recording movies. So when you're pre-visiting, are you also pre-visiting like the webcam shots as well then? You know, we made this in the middle of the pandemic, so we were all remote, like at the height of like quarantine, right. you know, where like there were no vaccines, everyone was just in their rooms. So the editors were editing remotely and nothing in this movie is screen recorded. Everything's 100% made from scratch and then animated. But the way we start is by just screenshotting apps just to roughly rough it in you know like throw stuff in there and so they were editing and then what we would do is I would record all my all the lines for that scene uh, into my phone playing every character and Will would play some of the other characters and then we'd send that the audio over to them and they'd basically create almost like a radio cut like a you know just cut of all the lines and then um, I would literally be in this room and get my roommates to come in and we'd just act out scenes so like I, there's a whole scene where like like June at the beginning, I'm here, like my roommate's here and I'm there and I'm talking to her. So we would take like still screenshots and then they would just throw those in there and then put our voices okay. underneath. And then the final step was we hired like some actors to then do all the lines once we had it more or less locked to the point where then we could screen it for people and literally like watch the movie as like almost a finished movie and screen it for um, to get feedback uh, before we shot it. That is a very unique process. How much money do I have to give you for the previs copy of the movie with Will on the Roof <laughs> pretending to be Javi? Because I'm making a lost media wiki entry right now for it. The hunt has started. We, we don't want to get canceled, man. <laughs> 
We don't we don't need to see Will playing Holly on his roof. No, I mean the the real the real truth is like there's so much stuff in there that is uncleared because we're just taking screenshots of and we were using temp music and stuff. It's hard for us to release it. I think on the Blu-ray there may you know Blu-ray or whatever digital release they end up releasing special features on. There may be some glimpse at that, but I can't publicly release it. But I I can privately show people. It's a pretty wild. It's pretty weird. It's like very slowly paced relative to the final movie and it's like all just terrible acting <laughs> that's interesting considering like one of the things i like about this movie is that it's like a super lightning pace like it never lets its foot off the gas i remember there's one moment where i think it's about to let its foot off the gas when june the main character kind of thinks oh well maybe kevin really does love my mom and this is real and you think all right i guess the movie's slowing down and then she goes hey wait a minute and then all of a sudden you realize it was the other woman and it's like Whoa! yeah there's never really like a, a lull in the movie um, like like a lot of movies recently, I feel like there's there's definitely down points where like it feels slow at times. But like this one was engaging all the way through. Did you guys use like a like a matrix rig for the party shot? The little three, two, one, <laughs> I'm falling down drunk countdown. Do you guys did you guys do that matrix setup where it's like a big thing of cameras? Yeah, I know I know what you mean. Uh, no, so that that shot's really crazy. That's a there's a crazy story behind that shot because so basically we again we were high of the pandemic, nobody had vaccines or anything. We're trying to shoot this thing, and we basically just like threw a party <laughs> at a house. <laughs> uh, I mean, people weren't drinking, but like we looked around ourselves and we're like, damn. Man, this is just like it's just just like a party. Like people are just chilling, and so we basically just had people doing stuff and like playing beer pong. And then Will and I went around, and our DP went around, and like our we had the official A7S shooting stuff. But Will and I also had just our iPhones. It, there was no time. We had to shoot that whole party really quickly. And so Will had the idea of that shot in his head, and we just made sure to get June in every plausible angle. We just like spin around her constantly, and then uh, in post this. Was specific idea for that shot actually came during post. So he had kind of had this idea that, you know, there'd be like this crazy stuff and we had written that into the script, but we didn't actually think about that 360 thing until in, in post. And Will was like, bro, we got to do it. We got to do it. And I was like, we don't have time. Like if we do it, you, you got to do it. You, you're going to sit there and, and pick every single frame. And he's like, yeah, 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 I got it. I got it. And then like the last week of the movie, Will and I were like taking a bunch of Adderall and coffee and we weren't sleeping. We were at the office for a solid week we're just trying to get the movie rendered and that shot wasn't done like it literally wasn't done it, it just was like in shambles um it was like looping frames right and we're like we can't release this but we we had to go home and then when we were home will basically stayed up for like 48 straight hours didn't sleep just worked on that one shot and like we dug through all the footage to find all little pieces and that was literally the very last shot that was made for the movie like the whole thing was done and then we just slotted that one thing in and then we were done wow. so it like came together really really late yeah it was stressful because there was a point at which basically they're like you guys are done we have to deliver it to the theaters and it, the shot wasn't done and we we're like oh man like we failed and then like we caught some random little error that we had to fix anyways and that bought us just enough time to finish it basically that's incredible I always love filmmaking stories like that where it's like that really cool thing was basically thrown together with drugs and duct tape <laughs> yeah, yeah basically uh, the history of 
of Hollywood, baby. I guess if there's one thing I want to, if you want to talk about Easter eggs, there's a, much like the first searching, if you pay attention to a lot of the headlines and stuff of the news articles and things you see, there's like almost a plot developing in the background with an implied alien invasion that continues from the first movie. So I'm just kind of curious, when you guys are pre-visiting the movie, were you guys imagining some of this like alien stuff to sneak in? Like what part of the process did that come in? And uh, if there's anything else you can tell about the secret alien invasion plot, uh, we'd love to oh, hear yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, from day one, like day zero, like we knew we knew we'd have to continue that. And we knew that like part of the fun of it is like we have to animate this thing frame by frame. So, for instance, though, all those drop downs when she's typing in Chrome and the things like the autofill below, it's just like like some of those things last like a frame. Like there was one weekend where I made all of them. I just sat in After Effects and manually typed out every single URL, everything you're seeing. And because it takes so long frame by frame, you are able able to like think about like what's something cheeky I could put in there you know what's something fun you could put in there so every frame of this is loaded with just crazy stuff and like weird jokes and like very meta things if you pause at any point there you'll see stuff in terms of the the official like easter eggs we had an email chain that we started during previs and then that we had an assistant turn that into a Google Doc. So we had this just massive Google Doc of just Easter eggs. And then we had a separate Google Doc that outlined Act one, two, and three of the official, like, main uh, alien <laughs> subplot. And then each plot was then kind of assigned its analogous place in our movie. So the act one of the story is kind of happening in the act one of our story, um, and the climax is happening during the climax of the movie. So it was very intentionally thought out and debated over throughout the process. That's what I love about things like that. All the effort and thought and time put into something that, quite frankly, some some members of the audience may never pick up on, but it's like it's like yeah. it shows the love and the passion to me, which always makes it really fun to pick up on. No, I agree. I I, I love Spider Verse. Enter the Spider Verse. That was that was um, just an amazing movie from same year, I think 2018, and that was a huge inspiration to us because you know every frame of that thing has a random little joke in the background, and I love the care that that they put into that. Like even if you don't notice it, you can feel the care put into the animation. So that was always is something that we strove for, I think. I got a, I got a more general question because I feel like every director who releases like a movie in theater should be asked this question. Was there a movie that inspired you to want to make movies? Like way back when? That's a great question. Okay, so yes, there are probably a couple, there are like a couple of ways to answer this. Probably Star Wars was like, you know, I love the hero's journey, the the, mm-hmm. uh, the original Star Wars trilogy, like, of course. Weirdly, the P- Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, the first oh, one, yeah. the Blu-ray special feature, the making of on those movies was, like, next level. And I remember thinking, like, watching that thinking, like, man, filmmaking is, like, amazing and, like, really cool. So, randomly that. But then as I got, like, older and, like, more stuck up and, like, art filmy, probably There Will Be Blood, like, changed my life in terms of, like, oh, shit, like, movies are like real like movies are real art you know like you can tell like great stuff that way so I would say there will be blood and and, and then the Coen brothers just seeing like what an auteur's voice can sound like I think that was those were always really inspiring to me then in high school probably yeah Nick has there will be blood I have Swiss Army Man it's basically the same thing I love love the Daniels <laughs> love the Daniels too they're a huge inspiration I love their whole ethos oh they're yeah I, I love them too I've been I remember being so excited for everything everywhere all at once and I, I've been on that bandwagon since day one and uh, mm-hmm. the world can 
continues to vindicate me. So our, our first sound designer uh, is the sound designer for Everything Everywhere. And he was telling Whoa. us back when we were doing like early, like when we were first editing the movie and we didn't have a cut yet. He's telling us like, yeah, man, I'm doing this like crazy kung fu movie. And he's like <laughs> describing it to us. We're like, what the hell is this movie? This is insane. <laughs> I mean, if you were to describe Everything Everywhere all at once, it does sound like some crazy batshit movie and not the yeah. leading Oscar nom of that year movie. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I love it. It's the same sound designer. Wow, that's crazy. One of your music guys, I think, worked on Mr. Robot. That's a fitting person to hire for this particular thing. Yeah, good catch. So Julian, we were editing a short film at the time that Will and I made, and I would like sit in my bathtub and listen to like different composers and stuff. And then Julian's music came up, and I was like, "Oh shit! Like this is this is cool. I want to talk to this guy." He had done some films, and then we had also been temping with Mr. Robot. It was oh. good temp music. So I was like, "Oh, and he worked on Mr. Robot. Like he composed tracks for Mr. Robot. Like this could be a really good fit." And so we actually didn't know Julian uh, before this. And he's just a really cool guy. He, he, everything's analog that you hear in this movie. It's like a lot of feedback. He just creates weird noises and then feeds them through like a literally he, he took the vertigo score. Here's like a really, really deep like trivia thing. He took the vertigo score because there's a lot of vertigo and there's I love vertigo. And I was like talking about like how much I love vertigo. And he's like, I'll take the score. He cranked it through an AI through like an algorithm and then created these tonal beds. And so a lot of the tonal beds you here in the movie are actually created from the Vertigo score, fed through this, like, AI. Holy shit! Uh, I ju- yeah, I just got word from the Hitchcock estate, and they're gonna start suing you for that one. Sorry about that. Yeah, 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 we gotta, we gotta be careful. It's, like, completely unrecognizable, but he's, he did some crazy shit. Actually, I do, uh, now that I think about it, I have another question. One of the first things that happens in this movie is, um, sort of this Netflix show, sort of recapping the events of the first movie, and I remember when that happened, um, thinking, why the fuck did they recast John Cho? Couldn't they just use archival footage and then it's a reveal that it's a show and I'm just curious whose idea was that I just really want to know whose idea that was because I thought it was so clever yeah, so that, that idea also has a little bit of a story. So in the treatment, there was no Netflix recreation of Searching One, but the fake out at the ending was there. Okay. And Will and I were like so-so on it. We weren't sure we wanted to keep it. And mostly having to do with like just a very traumatic thing happens and then June is supposed to be watching it. So we, we were like grappling with that. But the fake out was really fun. So we started thinking like, how do we how do we make this work? And then we were like, well, what if it's bookended? Because, uh-huh. you know, like in Searching One, like we knew the epilogue needed to be kind of land us, you know, in a just kind of poetically back where we were in some way. But then you see some change in the character. And so well, that's what started us thinking, like, what if the what if we established the show earlier in the movie? And then I, I think I remember like just ideating and thinking like, oh, how trippy would it be if like you saw some bizarro version of searching like <laughs> up at the top <laughs> like, like this like weird like that's not John Joe, that's not Deborah messing and so I think then we once we started thinking about that then then we, we got excited and it's kind of like a fun wink for searching fans and if not then if you don't know what it is then it's just a show that she's watching but it was really surreal on set when they showed up and we're like we have scuba divers and we're like recreating the movie <laughs> it was just really bizarre we have like bizarro David Kim it must have been it must have been really fun fun yeah all right (laughs) let's uh, go ahead and transition into our final thoughts on missing bennett let's start with you um yeah i I really enjoyed it um going and seeing in theaters and like this is this is the first time that i've 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 seen a lot of movies where i've known somebody who's worked on the movie but i've never seen a movie where like 
I know people who know the person who made the movie and it was just really cool to like see this movie like after hearing about it being talked about just the past year and and knowing a lot of the backstories of the set but also just being like if, if I went in this movie without the knowledge of that I had of it before I still would have loved it because it was just it felt like a complete movie and, and that's something I feel like we haven't gotten a lot of uh, recently a lot of movies feel like rushed and uh like incomplete but this one felt like you guys really polished it down to the, to the very numbers, and and I really uh, really enjoyed that. And really appreciated having that experience in the theaters. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, polishing a movie it, it helps when you basically made the movie before you made the movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I just might so. imagine. <laughs> All right, Tim, how about your final thoughts on Missing? I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, it's a solid follow up to Searching. Has some good uh, dramatic, emotional character beats. Um, a good progression with uh, the daughter and the mother story. Some good thrilling, exciting moments. And uh, since we have the director on, I gotta say it again: movie good. Back to you, Tim. to the director. Austin, how about your final thoughts? In a world where great directors are all making period pieces because their plots don't work if smartphones exist, <laughs> Missing defiantly stands in the camp with knives out, bravely figuring out a way to make the social media age entertaining to watch. I guess, uh, Nick, if you have any parting thoughts about this this movie, I'm sure you... Uh... No, yeah, th- thank you guys. First of all, thank you for having me, and thank you for uh, all the kind words. Um, I think my, one of my favorite things to say about this movie is, you know, Will and I were editors... I still think of myself as an editor. Like I love just making movies. Searching was a tiny movie. It was made with five people in a in a room. We didn't have assistant editors. We were, it was just me and Will making everything. And then missing, we had a we had a bigger team, but it was still very much like a, a group of film school friends. And everything was cut in Premiere and and vanilla After Effects, no plugins or anything. So you know, obviously we had like the luxury of of working with a studio and with a list actors and everything. But uh, you know, like really good actors, but. Um, it with enough time and work and just attention to story and everything like you can make a screen movie like this you know there, there's no special tool the barrier of entry is creative cloud it, it, it was really just a movie made with like a bunch of friends you know um, and I think I want to keep doing that and not just become like part of the machine right. I guess <laughs> Missing's a fantastic movie it's one of my favorite movies of the year so far it's an excellent follow up to a movie I adore and um, I'm really happy it exists and on a personal somewhat selfish level it's really cool to know that one of the filmmakers of this movie is from my area because God willing it gives me hope that if I keep trying maybe I'll fucking make it so fingers crossed if, uh, if you just keep working at it you can do it too <gasps> oh my god but you know who else can do it too if they believe hard enough the person watching slash listening to this episode of bomb squad movie night thank you also very much for uh checking out this very special episode with the director nick and uh nick uh since we let our guests plug do you have anything you want to plug aside from go see the movie in theaters no man go see the movie in theaters and when it comes out on streaming make sure to to check it out because there's a lot of stuff you can't catch in theaters and it's a really fun movie to scrub through and I'll tell you guys right now, 
This is not going to be on the Blu-ray special features, but Will and I hid uh, a little scavenger hunt in the movie that uh, basically if you find it, one thing leads to another, leads to another, and uh, there's a pot at the end of the rainbow. Oh. So uh, that's oh. something fun to, to check out when it comes out. I'm going to wear the hell out of my pause button when this one comes out. And if you are listening to this episode on any of the audio platforms we're on, thank you so very much for listening. Leave a review. It helps boost us in the algorithm. Or it doesn't. I've, I've read it that it doesn't, but damn it, it feeds my ego. So I'm a narcissist. Go ahead and do it. And if you are watching this on Spotify video, we hope you enjoyed this uncensored edition of Bomb Squad Movie Night. We don't make a lot of ad money off of there. So how about you mosey on down over to our Patreon? Throw a couple bucks your, our way. I swear on my life, we're going to actually have stuff on there very soon. It's going to be really cool. And if you are watching this episode on YouTube, thank you oh so very much for watching. Go on down in the comments section below and let me know what did you think of searching? What did you think of missing? Are you excited to see more of these screen type movies in this uh, searching missing verse or whatever? Um, what do you think of the alien invasion plot line? What do you think it all means? Comment below and let me know. And while you're down there, Hit the like button so we know how much you like us. Hit the subscribe button so we know how much you love us. And hit the bell icon so you know exactly when we upload new videos. Next week, we are talking about the 2018 live-action kaiju adaptation, Animal World, which I hosted and uh, have been editing since January. Uh, we have two special returning guests, so tune in. It's going to be a good time. So make sure you tune in. Thank you again also very much for watching. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Farewell. Siri, call June. Mom, this is FaceTime. 